Welcome to another episode of OTXNT, which stands for Old Testament, Christ, New Testament. Two men, two degrees, Old Testament and New Testament. Listen to Dr. Andrew Marquez and Dr. Benjamin Pate begin a discussion on topics that you and I should probably be thinking about from a Baptist perspective. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. This stuff is good. Hit that like button. Check us out on YouTube. Hey, I am on too. Good to see you, man. Welcome. Yes. Yes, indeed. Feels good to see you here in good health. Last week, I know you weren't feeling too hot, so we couldn't do it. It's all good. Yeah, I'm still fighting this thing. This is like the never-ending cold, but um, maybe if I you am... sleep every now and then, you know. So... Well, I, I did get some good sleep last week, but then. Then I got to work with 280 email and it's like, well, hooray. <laughs> you just hit delete all or read all, right? And then that yeah. feeling, I, I tell you that feeling, they never go away. It just continues to come and then you leave them there. Anybody ever do this where you leave them because you know you want to get to them, but now they just stay and it's now weeks and weeks. You just feel so bad that you have an answer. I'm, it's yeah. hard. Well, see, you know, an outlook, you can like, flag them, you know, to get back to you later. And then they go to your tasks. And if you never open the task tab, it's like they're gone, you know? And, uh, and so I, I haven't clicked over to that yet, but, um, that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, (laughs) Well, Hey, we, today we had intended to do another topic, but we wanted to shift gears, uh, because if you're watching this at this time frame today, uh, you know, this, it is, uh, today is March 28th. Uh, 2023 yesterday march 27th uh, of course is some an event that has taken place that have shaken the country uh, which was a um, 28 year old transgender uh, individual comes in and shoots up a christian school in nashville tennessee Uh, it killed three children uh, and uh, three uh, three adults and uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the article now here from the uh, Daily Wire saying that this person uh, also had plans to attack uh, uh, the mall and uh, family members as well. So this person was bent on uh, killing as many people as they could, but they uh, wanted to make sure that they went by this Christian school uh, and did it. And it's just it's uh, it's it is messed up. And, it, you know, it's still if you're a parent, too feel like that that level has just shake it shakes all of you because you go in and you're just you're devastated uh you've you, it, it, that empathy that takes over um of you know feeling what that must be like i mean there's no way to fathom the kind of pain that those parents are feeling right now those families during that loss so today we want to kind of talk about that and say okay how did we get here right uh yeah i mean andrew i guess the, we we look and we say it seems like Maybe I'm wrong here, but um, seems like our culture, our country is becoming more and more dark and unhinged. Um, and, you know, do I, some might say, well, you know, it's always been dark and unhinged. We just whitewashed everything with history. But let's just talk about I think we should talk about the view of humanity from a biblical perspective um and uh and what do we make of humanity as a result what do you what do you think anything else you want to say as we before we chime in and start this conversation yeah no i'm i'm you know our hearts go out to the the families we're praying for them uh you know everybody who's 
um, got kids in schools, you know, been nervous about this type of thing. This, this is, you know, targeting, you know, a, a Christian school in particular to kill children and teachers um, is a, a, a unique form of evil. And it is uh, something that really does kind of uh, shake you to the core saying, okay, you know, um, you know, some people would say, how, how is there a God? And these things, these things happen. And, and others would say, thank God there's a God uh, or else there's no hope for justice. Um, but the, the reality is that you just, you don't have good words here. And uh, this is where having some solid theological understanding of who, who are men, who are women, what, what, what is, what does the Bible say about people um, in our current state? It, it's helpful to kind of understand uh, that uh, it's really been a blessing that this hasn't happened even more often and more prolifically. And and why is there kind of an uptick in this in recent history? And everybody has to recognize there is, you know, that there, there's always been evil people in every age, but we're seeing something in our present context that really in my mind screams about a people in rebellion against God. And so, you know, that, that is something I think we should dig into and, um, and discuss. And of course, this isn't designed to, um, uh, ease people's pain or, or, no. you know, minimize, minimize the situation. What, what this is saying is this is why it's important that we teach theology, because when these things happen, you know, we have an understanding, uh, we're not really surprised by evil, uh, where we are made victims of evil, but we also left our own devices are, uh, are evil. And so, you know, this is something that uh, is is an important Christian doctrine that really helps make sense of some of these terrible things in life. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's just, yeah, it tries to help us to process um, what we're seeing take place and why it seems like we're seeing more. Um, and I think would also reveal, I think, so much more just the condition of all of humanity um, that uh, if not were for uh god's providential hand we we would see uh all sorts of even more so too so um i think it'd be an interesting discussion to kind of to walk through do you want to start us out and we'll uh yeah, let's go ahead and go and for let's, it let's jump in with the lord's prayer and we'll say a prayer for those that are impacted by this uh directly um join me if you will our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Lord, we do lift up the families of those that are uh, suffering right now as a result of this shooting and uh, just ask that you would bring uh, supernatural comfort and that uh, through this, Lord, you would glorify your name uh, in spite of what men meant for evil, that you would somehow uh, work things towards the good as only you can. We lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know, I think, you know, as, as you're praying too, I was just thinking, um, you know, we are not, we're not shaken necessarily when we hear about violence that is done between, you know, two groups of people. Like, you know, nobody is shaken to the core necessarily unless you're there on the scene of like, you know, when gangs fight each other over turf war or drug deal kind of stuff like a, a violence a mixed wicked people right that kind of yeah. thing um this is a little bit different in that you're watching people who will go out and seek innocence uh for the um uh, and and just kill um and so where does that stuff come from and so i think uh, i think th the good start 
would be like, okay, let's just have a starting place of trying to understand this, right? Um, and it should just be as what is the condition of humanity? I I, I find it very difficult now I, for, for people today to believe that humanity is good in and of themselves. And the reason yeah. why, you know, we can get more into that, but I, I think I think stuff like this today reveals um, that no, uh, humanity is not good. Um, and you might say, well, we got good people and all that, but uh, but I think these are, this is the popping up of the wickedness of humanity as a whole that is there. And I think we should look, what does the Bible teach? Is man generally good? We just got some bad apples or is there more to it? Yeah, I, I think it's really important because uh, the rise of the therapeutic professions and the kind of uh, standard uh, basis for most psychology and counseling today is that uh, mankind left to their devices will, in fact, um, pursue good. Uh, that that uh, what's really stifled people in the past has been exterior law or violence or uh, need that's unmet. And if we could just meet the human need and allow people a, a place for uh, flourishing and to pursue their internal desires, that it would produce the most uh, uh, good in society and human life. And, and this is an anti-biblical perspective. Uh, the, the reality is that uh, the Bible says that left to our own devices, we'll pursue greater uh, depths of depravity and sin. And, and this is the doctrine I think we're looking at today is uh, the doctrine of total depravity. Uh, so uh, the fact is that um, as a result of the fall, we are uh, tainted and the children of Adam and Eve are uh, wounded and damaged. We still hold the image of God, but not uh, fully in the sense of um, the goodness that <laughs> that was made when, when Adam and Eve were made and, and it was good. And in fact, the end of creation was very good. Uh, that is no longer the case. And so uh, the human heart has been impacted as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, and that is continuing continue to be impacted by our own sin. And this uh, flies in the face again of the modern sense of uh, everybody's uh, just kind of good at heart. And 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 this is hard because most of us are so blinded by our own sin that we don't want to say, "Hey, I'm I'm naturally inclined to evil." And you hear of somebody who has an affair, and you say, "Oh, those dirty, uh, terrible people." When really, what we ought to say as Christians is, "But for the grace of God." Uh, so be I, you know, that, that I could go in the same direction yeah. uh, unless God is restraining evil within me. Now, I believe that we're partnering with God's restraint uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit as, as Christians, but the doctrine of depravity is uh, foundational, and it's one that's not taught very well, uh, especially in light of the, the modern age. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think uh, in order to kind of flesh out this, we just need to kind of start uh, with the kind of a a very basic understanding of man's sinfulness. And I, then I should, I think we should begin to look and say, well, okay, then if, you know, if, if the Bible is just saying that you and I and all of us are bad, why do we have what seems to be worse levels of things too that are going on? Why does it, the culture seem to be getting worse? I think we should start with that first basic piece. And so um, I, I think one of the good starting points, you know, being at a Southern Baptist, you look at the Baptist faith and message, uh, you know, Article Three talks about man, um, and in that it says, uh, "In the beginning, man was innocent of sin, was endowed by his Creator with freedom of choice. By his free choice, man sinned against God and brought sin into the human race uh, through the temptation. Satan, uh, uh, through the temptation of Satan, man transgressed the command of God, 
fell from his original in- innocence and is there and whereby his posterity uh, inherit a nature and an environment inclined towards sin. So that's a big key piece that the actions of Adam uh, have now uh, created us within us a nature and an inclination towards sin. Uh, therefore, as soon as they are capable of moral action, they become transgressors and are under condemnation. Only the grace of God can bring man into his holy fellowship and enable man to fulfill the creative purpose of God. So I'll stop there. So uh, Baptist Faith and Message would say that uh, some big key points that that if you're Southern Baptists need to affirm uh, is that all of us are inclined that since the beginning, Adam has messed it up for us. And uh, we now have a sin nature and an inclination. And the moment that we have the opportunity to choose, what do we choose? We choose like uh, like our our uh, first uh, parents did and uh, go towards that. So our inclination is there. So that's kind of a basic understanding that biblically speaking, and you begin, you can see some of the verses there. We'll talk, we can talk more about that. But biblically speaking, um, we would affirm that we are uh, inclined towards wickedness. Uh, and uh, and you would see that. Uh, I think that's Romans 5 would be a good place to kind of flesh out some of that stuff of what the effects of Adam's sin is on us. Uh, but, okay, what else would we see kind of maybe a historic position yeah. to look at? So, you know, one, it's it's more of a Reformed Baptist perspective, and I, I love our Reformed Baptist brothers. I'm waiting for God to, to get me fully in the camp. Um, but... Uh, the 1689 uh, Second uh, Baptist London Confession uh, is uh, probably one of the best uh, confessions ever really put together by Baptists. It, it's very full. Uh, there's not um, complete agreement with all Southern Baptists on this, but it's a very great place to start with regards to total depravity. So picking kind of up on what you already said, it, it continues in chapter six, paragraph two, our first parents by this sin fell from their original righteousness and communion with God and we in them whereby death came upon all, all becoming dead in sin and wholly defiled in all the faculties and parts of the soul and body. So as a result of Adam and Eve's sin and our own sins, we are wholly defiled. Uh, this is something people struggle with because they want to say, well, I'm not I'm not as bad as I possibly could be. Yeah. Uh, and the the reason that we say that is because we want to kind of say, well, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit better than others, right? Uh, but the reality is that unless God is uh, restraining that wickedness, uh, you you can you could be as evil as Adolf Hitler. You know that the the unrestrained sin when God allows us to go our own way, uh, it reveals the depth of our depravity. Um, I just want to continue a little bit further. They being the root and by God's appointment standing in the room and instead of all mankind, the guilt of the sin was imputed and corrupted nature conveyed to all their posterity, descending from them, descending from them from the original generation, being now conceived in sin and by nature children of wrath the servants of sin, the subjects of death, and all other miseries, spiritual, temporal, and eternal, unless the Lord Jesus set them free. From this original corruption, whereby we are utterly indisposed, disabled, and made opposite to all good, and wholly inclined to all evil, do precede all actual transgressions. The corruption of the nature during this life does remain in those that are regenerated, and although it be through Christ's pardoned and mortified, yet both itself and the first motions thereof are truly and properly sin. So even for the Christian, the corruption of the nature during this life remains. And uh, so we still have the inclination to sin, even after being saved, 
But for those that are unsaved, uh, th there is no really curbing force other than the general grace of God. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'll kick it back to you there. Yeah. So I think that's important to recognize. And so the, the Bible, we would say, shows us uh, the an understanding of the sinfulness of man um, that, uh, you know, that left unchecked, um, we will just continue to devolve. Uh, you know, I think you, uh, you would look and see something like that in Genesis chapter six. So you remember like how bad it was. Um, verse five says, when the Lord saw human wickedness was widespread on the earth. And it says that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. The Lord had regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was deeply grieved. So you understand like that's how bad it gets that kind of left unchecked. Uh, you end up at a point where everything just spins out of control. Um, and uh, every he says even every inclination was wickedness uh, all the time. And so. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we could we could go into this if we want to spend a little time on just a basic understanding of of sinfulness. But uh, that that piece we we get, I think all of us recognize that we are sinners. Um, but um, but, you know, you 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 do need to see that um, that we need to talk about that degree then. So, like, why? Why is it? That uh, that, you know, if we're all sinners, right, how come we're not the worst that we could all be? Right. How come uh, now you just said rightfully so that if you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within you, um, that there is a there's definitely a a, a lock or a pushback on um, on that sin, that there should be this desire to please God over sinful desires Um but there is that question of that. How come generally, though, the world seems to be fairly, you know, all these sinners somewhat good. How come, it, you know, that we don't see this just complete spiraling out, but we do. It does feel like slowly we're getting there. How come it doesn't seem it's like all bad all the time? Yeah. And and I think, you know, there's so so this is theological um, question. Some of it's philosophical, you know, but a lot of it. It's going to pull from scripture. Uh, so when we recognize, again, Romans 3, the depravity, you know, there's none who do, does good, no, not one. Uh, they're, they're, uh, their deceit, you know, it just kind of flows out from the throat, the mouth. It's, it's just uh, wickedness kind of pours out of the individual uh, is, is the way that Paul describes that kind of stringing together many of the Psalms. Yeah. Uh, but what we see is that uh, there has to be, um, by God's grace, a, a restraint on this, lest we all go. Um, as hardly towards evil as we possibly can. And I think that we see uh, several ways that God uh, holds us back. Um, the one I would say is in the creation or in making us in his own image. And uh, because of this, you know, one of the proofs for God or one of the, 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 the evidences of God's existence is kind of this universal sense of morality. And we can read this in the book of Romans about those, uh, the Gentiles who do not have the law actually keep the law in a sense because it's written on their hearts that God has to some degree um, written his own moral standards upon all of humanity. And uh, that that kind of gives us a check internally, but it also allows uh, different bodies to um, formulate and establish ways of checking the wickedness within us. Um, do, do you uh, you want to take, take another one? Yeah. I mean, so obviously, um, you know, like you said, there's a, there's a conscience piece that's there. Um, but there's also, it appears that, um, 
you know, and I think it'd be interesting. It's, it's, it's important to recognize that the world uh, has, has, is kind of ruled in two ways. Um, and, uh, and so you'll see like the Bible affirms uh, that, uh, you know, in John, in first John five nineteen it says that we know we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we have the people who belong to God and then you have the world is in the power of the evil one. Uh, you, you kind of get that you see in Ephesians two, one through two, it says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience. So we understand that in one respect, you have Satan has complete kind of control over this world, but his God's people belong to him. So we see that restraining piece. Uh, but then while Satan has control over this world, uh, we are given a, a glimpse that, uh, and we know this, right? You read Job uh, and you understand that while Satan has free reign, um, all of it is really still uh, within God's control, nothing is out of God's control. He can do what he wants. And so you'll see things like this, uh, in, uh, the, the old Testament, like you'll see things where, um, it will say that, um, uh, you know, God is going to be working through, you know, providence by, uh, by how he works with, uh, with Kings, right? So you'll see, uh, the first year of Cyrus, King of Persia, the word, of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be filled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation uh, throughout all of his kingdom. Um, and it says that uh, it said that he uh, put it also in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So it's interesting to see that God stirs up people's hearts to do jobs. He stirs up people, even worldly people, worldly leaders to do things that he wants. That's why Proverbs uh, 21 one says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. Uh, and so it does appear, right, that though we have this world that is under Satan's control, um, we do see that it is God who still is, it seems to be a restraining force. Uh, he has not completely handed all things over um, to out of control yet, like he is still using and working through the works of providence um, to, to you know, kind of have his will still be done. It will not be thwarted. Uh, and so we, we need to affirm that piece as well, that, that things are not as bad as it ever could be um, because, uh, you know, that um, because God is still at work. He is still uh, doing things in this world and, uh, and um, you know, kind of you know, move, moving things still, working through uh, stuff. You, you'll see something, and I'll finish with this one and pass it back to you. Uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 2, uh, it says, He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. Uh, he reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells uh, with him. Uh, and that's just that understanding too, of no matter you think about Daniel and the time that he's living and the time that he's going to be talking about that, despite whoever comes into power, it's God who is still working. This is all working according to, to the plans that he has. Um, and so, yeah, I, so there is this piece, which we, I think need to affirm. And I think you'll clarify this, that Paul will just come out and say it is that, 
uh, in God's sovereign control, he is allowing things to go on, but it also seems that at the same time, he's stepping in the way and not allowing things to go completely off the rails. So anything else you'd bring in? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you brought up the example of Abimelech in our kind of pre-filming um, discussion, but it, it's such a great example of this with uh, Abimelech, you know, uh, took Sarah, the, the wife of Abraham, because Abraham lied and said she's my sister. You know, of course, she was his half-sister, but he was afraid they were going to hurt him to get her. So he essentially gave his wife away. Uh, and then God struck uh, the people uh, and uh, Abimelech is given uh, a dream where, where God says, hey, you, you can't have this woman. Uh, she belongs to Abraham. And this event takes twice, so, uh, occurs kind of two times in Abraham's life. So I, I mix stuff up. But uh, the key moment here is um, God says, uh, because of the integrity of your heart, essentially that you didn't take her um, in deceit, it was Abraham's deceit. Uh, I also withheld you from sinning against me. And so God prevented Abimelech from uh, sinning even outside of his knowledge um, because he had not acted uh, in, a, in a way that was deceitful or um, uh, overusing his power to steal Abraham's wife. And that's the kind of thing I think that God does often, especially through leaders. And then when we get to Romans 13, we have this idea of the government, right? So uh, there's no authority, you know, be subject to the govern governing authorities. There's no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister for you uh, to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister to avenge, to execute wrath on him who practices evil." And so this is one of those restraining features that God in the Old Testament worked through leaders and kings and governments and uh, used those authorities to put fear in the hearts of sinners, which we all are. And so since we are all always pursuing our own personal interests, when we uh, step out of line and, and injure or hurt another or move towards evil, the government is a, a gauge of fear that uh, keeps us from pursuing all of those desires uh, that we would pursue uh, if the government is acting according to what God has instructed. Of course, when the government doesn't work for the good, uh, the the Bible says that, you know, judge for yourself, should we serve God or, or man? Uh, we, we have to serve the Lord. But um, this is another big restraining power. And one of the things that is in, embedded in this whole discussion is, you know, could the government do more to protect? Uh, and it, it, the debate comes on, you know, what would, what the, could the government do? And what could people do? Um, but the reality is the government can only do so much. And then we have a whole history in the scripture of governments out of control because they are no longer serving God. That, I believe, is a response to Romans 1, uh, which is, I think, um, well, a, a scene of that abandonment of God. If yeah. I will, just for a second, um, I think you do see, if you want to look, look at places that the government is supposed to do its job, right? That... Um, that the government was to carry that sword to be, as he says in Romans 13, uh, verse 4, it's God's servant and avenger um, that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Uh, that idea, notice when the government stops doing that, what you have take place. And so in places where the government has stopped uh, you know, doing its job of, of dealing with wickedness or prosecuting, 
uh, or punishing, um, things seem to get worse. Uh, right. I mean, look at look at our country, look at some of these big cities, look at countries that are near us um, mm. when the government is corrupt. Um, notice what happens uh, is that it seems that things are getting worse. Why? Because all of a sudden now there's there is uh, there's nothing to restrain in that case. I mean, think about this illustration. It's like think about this, like um, you know, generally speaking, we think, yeah, we're good people because we kind of get along and. And, uh, you know, you can kind of go out, you know, not worry, but, but, uh, one of the books I was looking, they're just kind of getting ready for a conversation. These are old, the uh, systematic theology textbook by Erickson. Um, and I love how he, uh, he says this at the very end in this discussion, he says, um, uh, man here is not above the level of animals, which fight each other, uh, for food, even if there is enough for everyone, when society functions normally, uh, he says that um, man does not appear to be so bad. What we forget is that when law enforcement authorities are serving uh, is that a law enforcement authorities are serving as a deterrent. But when electrical blackout strikes New York City so that the police are unable to perform their duties normally, crime breaks loose in large por uh, proportions. We should not too quickly assume then that this relative goodness of man in normal circumstances refutes the idea of original sin. This goodness may be motivated by fear of detection and punishment. So I thought that was a very interesting thing because, yeah, what happens every time we have uh, floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and things are out for a while? Uh, that's where people are like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to walk out anytime soon, I better gun up, right. And just be ready. Cause I don't know what's going to happen, you know, um, yeah. to, you know, so anyways, I think that's a perfect illustration of that, that restraining through providence of God using, especially government, but he's working through hearts. He still seems to be restraining, but how do we get, why does it seem yeah. that that restraining is where not only do we see corruption, in our government, which is letting some of that happen in big places, but why is it that even places that might seem to have, fairly decent government uh, have still the same problem that we're seeing culturally, this wickedness take place. Yeah. And it, it's, I mean, some of it I think is devious and sinful, but it flows downstream from a cultural re rebellion. You know, one of the things that before I, I jumped in, I, I wanted to go back to the flood, you know, at, at the end of the flood, uh, God essentially looks at man again in uh, chapter eight and says, they're still um, bent on evil from youth, nothing has changed in the heart of man after he's wiped out everybody but Noah. And then in chapter nine, he establishes our, our real first uh, universal law of corporal punishment. Yeah. And, you know, if we went through and looked at some of the mass shootings and uh, murder attempts over the last 20 years, how many people are still sitting uh, behind bars and are not going to be executed uh, because of a desire for um mercy towards them. And, you know, you, you, you know, some people are completely against the death penalty. Uh, the Bible's for it, at least in the Old Testament it is. And, but the reality is it's because um, God is establishing that deterrent, you know, and, and when people uh, get away with it and essentially become celebrities, people who are kind of bent uh, towards sin and, and not entirely uh, mentally in a good place, uh, they look at that as, oh, I could be well-known and everybody would know my name. And uh, and I could go out with a bang instead of a, you know, a suicide or something where it was uh, unknown. And, and so we really are kind of making, you know, sick heroes out of people by not putting the fear of God uh, in society by dealing with uh, these people. I, I, you know, I think the bar needs to be really high for corporal punishment, uh, but it needs to be there. 
And when when it's very clear what happened and who's guilty and there's a like 100% <laughs> situation of we know that this is what happened and this is why it happened, uh, we, we should move pretty rapidly in my mind uh, to uh, to move forward with, with a punishment that will strike fear in the hearts of those that would seek to copy. Um, but uh, Romans 1, you know, this, this is such a great statement here because when we look at this, what we see is that this is a society in full-blown rebellion against God, and it's a it's almost sequential, all right? So uh, what, what happens is uh, you're dealing with the, the general rebellion against God, uh, beginning in verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and ungodliness. So God's wrath is against these people uh, because what was made known to them of, of God is manifest in them because God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So every human being, in spite of our rebellious nature, uh, depravity, we have a sense and an understanding that God is real. Uh, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their heart, in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed things and creeping things. And so we, we moved to idolatry, all right? So we rejected God. Now we've moved into worship of this world. And again, uh, probably one of the greatest religions in the world today is the green movement and needing to you know, end global warming. And, and uh, now it's tied to money with ESG. And we, we have all this stuff that, that's really almost got religious fervor. I'm not saying caring for the environment is wicked, but uh, when it becomes religious in replacement of God, you can understand some of the fervor that those that are, are pushing uh, some of this uh, climate uh, control uh, is, uh, is driven by because well, it, yeah, it seems to be- say- yeah. I would say when you when you get rid of worship of God, it's going to reveal itself because he's designed us for worship. Uh, we begin to reveal it towards something else. And so part of that, you will. You will legitimately see people who turn that towards the climate. Uh, you'd see others that turn it towards human humanity themselves, right? That uh, you begin to worship yourself and all things. Um, and uh, do whatever it is that would please you. And that's that's it, right? That you've turned it towards something else. And so you may not, you say, well, they're not idolaters. They're not, uh, you know, they're not uh, looking at idols or anything, but no, they've decided to worship something other than God. And yeah, yeah. sure, they don't have a little uh, statue or anything. Uh, there's something else in that place for sure. Yeah, and then and then it essentially continues. So once we reject God and we pursue God in ourselves or in this world or elsewhere, God gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves. All right, and this is going to be parts of the Bible people just don't like, but it's straight out of the Scripture. Who exchanged exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So God gave them up. What does that mean? God was restraining. God was restraining their wickedness. And now he has He has released them to now pursue more wickedness. And so he then gives them up even further to vile passions. Their women exchange the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. So idolatry leads to lust, leads to um, a deviation of the natural uh, pursuit of human sexuality. And, and then it continues. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over yet further 
uh, to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice uh, them. And, and so there we go. What, what we see is a culture that begins to reject God and pursue idolatry. God will remove some of that restraint of depravity, and they'll then engage in deeper levels of immorality. And God will then say, if that's the direction you want to go, I'll release the restraints further until it gets to a point where people are fully, um, God's hands are off. You know, they, they, they kicked God out. He left. And now they are engaging with who they truly are, which is wicked. And the, the key thing I think in our culture today is that, you know, the, the news reports of the shooting came out that a young lady, I think she ended up being about 28, uh, did this. And then the news all had to spin back and say, oh, she, she's using male pronouns. Uh, and therefore, we don't know if we should call her a, a lady because she's female um, by appearance, or we we don't want to offend the the new transgender movement, and so we will just not say what she was. And and right now, the media is trying to figure out what do we identify this individual as because we we have entered into a realm of uh, language doesn't work for us anymore. Uh, but this this woman uh, uh, biologically is identifying as a man. And it goes to some level, again, of what our culture is facing, inventing new types of evil. Transgenderism, uh, dressing up as the opposite sex is not new, but the medical things that we can now do today to try and validate that is new. And again, it's interesting because dishonoring of parents, what's the big battle going on globally right now? Whether parents should be informed that their kids in their school are choosing different pronouns and are pursuing this uh, trajectory. Well, parents don't need to know those things. We'll keep it safe uh, from the parents um, so the teachers can be there. And so we have the government and the authorities of the public school teachers working against the parents in order to advance new forms of evil, according to scripture. And the answer for you all and I, the reason this is motivated, perhaps, we don't know the whole story, was that Tennessee was passing legislation against some of the transgender goals. And this may have set the individual off. If it's not, then, you know, um, we're still learning things as we go. The The motivation is, is unclear, but the state of Tennessee has not done what is required here. They not only do the things, but they give heartily approval to those who practice them. The, the Christian needs to get on the bandwagon and start cheering for the movement of our culture in rebellion against God. And unless you're going to cheer and approve and say, this is wonderful, you're the problem. And I believe that this is why a Christian school is targeted, where this young lady probably was brought up with some knowledge of what God required and in a full-blown rebellion against what God has said. In the beginning, he created the male and female. We have a, an act of ultimate rebellion that seeks to take the life of uh, Christians and Christian children. And I believe that uh, I should kick it back to you, I guess, but uh, there will be an eternal uh, ramification for both those that uh, she killed and for her uh, being uh, killed by the police. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, this, uh, this whole discussion, though, I think 
um, is showing us, I I think it's clear that, right, that you're pointing out, it just seems that the more that we have pushed God out, the more it seems that we are just becoming more handed over, um, you know, because I would say we have always been, and as we affirmed, all humanity has always been sinful, uh, but the uh, the degree of our sin, it seems to be growing, uh, and I think that's the more further we walk away from God, the more that it takes place. And some things I think would be interesting to bring up are like, like um, look at uh, what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, he says, but know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control. So he's like tying in really what he just said with some of the Roman stuff. Uh, with uh, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, uh, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid these people. So it does appear that the last days, um, you know, in debate about what that is, whether we are there, and I would say that we, I would think we are, technically speaking, have always been uh, since the resurrection of Christ. Uh, we are in those last day categories, but even now, I think we're moving closer to something um, where the 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 wickedness is becoming more unhinged. It seems, uh, and and um, and I think that also ties into you know if you're gonna you you want to get into eschatology just for a moment, uh, I think it is interesting as we talk about restraining and we start talking about what's coming. And I granted, look, I know if people are watching this, you're probably been all sorts of the the side whether you're a uh, post mill, pre mill, a mill, whatever that is, you know, uh, you know, the uh, second Thessalonians right in chapter two says now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him. We ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be easily upset or troubled either by prophecy um, or by a message or by a letter supposedly from us alleging the day of the Lord has come. Don't let anyone deceive you in that way. In any way, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed for destruction. So talk about, you know, who this man of lawlessness is. Is this something that was taking place in that time that was fulfilled in the book of Revelation? Or is this talking about something that, uh, you know, is yet to come, right? The Antichrist. Uh, it says he opposes and uh, exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in God's temple proclaiming that he himself is God. And then he goes on to say this. I think this is interesting. So don't you remember that when I was still with you, I used to tell you about this. And you know that what currently restrains him so that he will be revealed in his time. But for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, but the one now restraining will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. Um, and so it is interesting. You're just talking about that there's this restraining influence and uh, and and what that means and who uh, is what's standing in the way. It just appears that, uh, once again, that we should affirm, though, that there is a wickedness that is coming, a wickedness that's here, uh, and there is some level of restraint uh, but it, you know, it might be that we're getting to a point at some point, right? That uh, that restraint is leaving, uh, that this giving away is is uh, is happening, uh, and that um, you know that that it does appear that the more we're doing this, the restraint is becoming 
less and less setting things up. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, like I said, regardless of whatever your eschatological perspective is, uh, we, we affirm that there is a restraining element and it could be, uh, that some of this is, uh, just shows, uh, he, he is continuing to, you know, uh, show less restraint, uh, in holding back things because we have asked for it as a nation, uh, and we, we, we promote things in, uh, contrary to him, uh, and yet still like to pretend as, you know, uh, second Timothy said we, that we're somewhat godly or whatnot, but, uh, anyways, um, yeah, I, that's kind of where I land on this. I think this is all leading somewhere. Um, and, um, you know, I, that there's a, at some point that hand will fully be gone and, uh, we will enter into a point where, um, I think people will beg for something to find restraint and then he will bring all sorts of wickedness on his end uh, once he's here. So that's where I, that's kind of where I would take it. Yeah. And I would say if, if it's not the end of the end, um, then I think that this is also true on that symbolic idea of it would be the end of the nation. And that, that's another restraint that we see in scripture that Israel was used to judge the Canaanites because their wickedness had reached a point that God couldn't let it stand anymore. And if, if we are, live in a nation that's in total rebellion uh, unchecked, uh, God will use a nation to judge uh, and and bring an end to the nation in rebellion, and uh, and that was historically how He has done it, and that might be what's coming for America. There's still a lot of wonderful Christians here. I mean, we we really need to celebrate to some degree the, the six martyrs uh, that were killed for their faith. Uh, you know, the, people may not want to use that language or go there just yet because of the grief, but um, God has called six home. In, in a glorious uh, way that um, that you know uh, scripture talks about being counted worthy uh, it's horrible to be per perpetrated by uh, the evil um, but I believe I believe those six are with the Lord and then um, the one that perpetrated this uh, it, there's a there's a place called hell it's the eternal damnation uh, this person may have thought that they were ending the world itself but really um, hats off to the police who uh, limited the damage and the carnage uh, but this individual uh, will now fall into the wrath of God, according to the scripture. And if you are one of those people that I don't understand hell, well, as God removes his hand and we see the the depravity and the evil in the human race, it, it really does help you make sense of the doctrine of hell. Uh, because this individual, uh, in my mind, uh, I'm not the judge, but I believe the judge cast this individual uh, into the under the first death and we'll be cast into the lake of fire. So, um, you know, that there, there's solace there, that, that there's justice in, in the Christian faith, uh, even as there is love. Um, as far as our nation goes, you know, we're, we're going to now have a debate on, on controls and, and things that the government can do. Um, you know, we find out that a lot of these individuals are known before they do it, and the government did nothing to step in. But, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say the government's allowing things to happen so that they can get more controls. But it wouldn't be the first government to do such a thing. Uh, and so uh, it's helpful sometimes to go back to our founders, John Adams. Our constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern any other. So unless the people are religious, and in John Adams' mind, most of the founders, that mean, meant Christian, uh, they would be inadequate to survive under this constitution. It's too loose. And the government needs to bring in tremendous control and essentially become tyrann tyrannical toward the people in order to restrain their passions. America was an experiment because 
the the Christian basis of the of the population uh, was self restraining and uh, trusted in God to to restrain them in uh, through the Holy Spirit, uh, and as such, we could have a government and a constitution that allowed tremendous self governance, and and we may see an end of this era as America has uh, turned its back on those founding principles. So. You know- and yeah. just one thing to kind of piggyback off what you had said prior, um, this idea of um, of God allowing wickedness to prevail up to a point, uh, there is this piece that you read in the Old Testament. Uh, it's a very interesting thing that God says to Abraham, Genesis 15, uh, in verse 16. It says, in the fourth generation, they will return here for the iniquity of of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And you had mentioned that, uh, but it is very peculiar, right? That um, that what God is saying is, I'm going to give these people time. Um, and uh, at some point, the clock is over. And at some point, it's too far gone. Um, and, uh, and therefore, they're going to be judged and God will take them out because of that. And you do see that. that's the scary part, right? As you see that as that seems to be his way you reference rightly. So that that's what God was doing throughout the old Testament. He says, he, I'm going to even do it with you, Israel, uh, that if you, once you go this way, I'll do the same. And, um, you know, so you begin to look and see God does deal with nations, uh, in this way. And, uh, there is, seems to be a clock that, uh, uh, will run out on a nation's wickedness at some point until he then does something to them. Um, so I don't know what that is, uh, but it does seem like that we are slowly beginning to fill that fill that jug up now more and more as a culture uh, and as a people. Um, and, uh, you know, that jug has been filling up ever since we were here, even though we were, quote unquote, uh, you know, a Christian in its establishment. Uh, um, there is, uh, you know, that it's been there because of the depravity of man. We have been filling it up little by little, uh, but it does seem uh, that our culture now as a whole, uh, top down, uh, and it's seeping all into the church, it's seeping into every area, is uh, it's it's beginning to, um, to grow uh, in its uh, uh, pushing away from God. And I so I think that uh, you know it'll, it'll I, I don't know when that clock ends right I don't know when that stops uh, but I do think we see that at some point he takes action and hands it over to somebody yeah. else and, and, and you know you kind of out of fear you're like what do we do Lord what do we do um, one of the things I, I do am look at I'm mindful of in Scripture is that Sodom and Gomorrah reached that point that God had to go see and and then he pulled out the family. Because of the intercession of God's uh, man, you know, uh, he pulled out Lot and his family. Um, and then you have that verse at the end of Revelation 18, 4, um, come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of her sin and that ye not receive of her plagues. Uh, when is it time for the Christian people to say, we are dusting off our feet and we are exiting uh, this uh, city, this uh, state? because uh, the wickedness and the judgment of God um, is is clearly coming. And we need to not stand in the way anymore, but we need to step back and let God judge. And, you know, you read those imprecatory Psalms. We we did that with Jim Jordan in one of our episodes of, um, you know, discussing the, the, the prayer of God's judgment, you know, uh, oh, that God would judge so that he quits removing his hand 
placing his hand of judgment on and um, and dealing with evil now before it, it goes much further. That That's a Christian practice. Uh, I don't know, you know, I, the missionary heart, the evangelistic heart, you know, you want to stay in and you want to snatch people out of the fire. Um, it would be interesting to discuss at a different uh, date, maybe. W- when is the time to withdraw? Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's a wisdom issue unless God just reveals it to you. But I, I, there is a time. Uh, the other thing I think that is underneath this that we we don't have time for today is is where does demonic activity uh, play into this and and demon possession? Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of that going on too that our secular culture doesn't account for. But that that's another thing I think that would be interesting to pursue at a different date. I think we should. I think let's do it for another time because I think that accounts for a lot of this stuff too. Not that man's actions are excused. I think we're left unchecked, we will become absolutely wicked. Uh, but there is something to be said about the demonic influence. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that, what that looks like. I know I'm going to be going through, um, and doing some notes. I was going through what, once again, um, the book unseen realm, just parts of that to, um, to, uh, to go through that from Michael Heiser, uh, and uh, that was a, it's an interesting book as it talks about, you know, the, the demonic realm and the world that we live in. And so there might be something that we need to kind of discuss in that, too, of what is the role that Satan plays? What is the role that, uh, that the demonic plays uh, in this world that we live in? As we had kind of established already, he has control over all these little pieces. This is his world that he is ruling, and yet we have been given the mandate uh, by the king. Uh, to go and to make disciples of all the nations and to, you know, that nothing can stand in our way. And so we, I think it'd be an interesting discussion for sure uh, to look into that because that's at play. I don't think you can dismiss it. I think that's definitely, and I'll just say this as a, just as a pre a, a thought before we ever enter into that discussion um, is I definitely see that that is the, that is what is at play. That is the spirit of this age and I do believe that there is something at the top levels down of uh, of a demonic spirit that is uh, that is really painting the culture, uh, that is uh, setting the tone. That is, you know, what's really behind the, you know, what's really behind the curtain. I'll tell you, it's behind the curtain. That kind of stuff. And I think we've got good reason to believe that, uh, based on if we were to go do a discussion on that. So, um, and that's just seeing people lockstep following into that as you would see in revelation too as uh, as satan would go behind the antichrist and the prophet who is there people will just follow blindly they'll take his mark willingly and i think uh, we're already seeing that that uh, if the control that is behind a throne uh, or a presidency or a government uh, i'm not talking about individuals necessarily i'm just talking about the 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 culture of the world that we live in uh, i think you see that people are willingly participating and influenced and following lockstep. So it's be interesting discussion. Let's let's go do that maybe another day uh, to talk that one through. All right. Well, you want to close this out? I think we've covered this. <laughs> yeah, man. This was not a fun one to do. This is such a, you know, it's it is. It's a hard one. This news is hard. I hate doing having that we kind of done, you know, had to go through this. I hate that this is the context. You know, I just know that we need to respond to this for you know, what do we make of this stuff and uh, how do we walk through it? I think it should just make us mindful to pray guys, pray for God's uh, God to protect, pray uh, for wickedness to be pushed back, pray 
um, for uh, for us to trust in his way, because, you know, it, it, you know, as you had said at the, at the very beginning, it's interesting. You had said at the very beginning um, that we just didn't have the words, uh, you know, sometimes you don't have the real the words to be able to express this. And it's interesting, you know, looking at another article uh, from the Daily Wire. Uh, the the guy who's the pastor he's he's in our associations the church that's been kind of being the hub for for kids who are to get connected with their parents he, he even says it as they were interviewing him yesterday he says as pastors we're supposed to have words he says today was one of those days that words didn't come easy and if they came they came from the spirit and I think you know what a what a good way to say that because there's no way you can say it. there's nothing you can say to be like yeah this is going to make it all better like no this is all we can do is try to figure out part of what's happening um, in this world around us, but it's hard. And so be praying for those people, be praying for us as how we uh, still act as lights in this world and how we are to be, um, you know, how do we are to to still function in a place that seems to be becoming more and more wicked uh, over time. So let me, uh, let me pray. Let me, here's what we'll say and then we'll close out. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with uh, uh, favor upon you and give you peace. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for watching. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.